0: This is Flipping Tables Podcast, episode 009. I'm David Lyons. And I'm Michael Edwards. And this is, we have like a smattering of loosely connected topics today.
1: Yep, we're winging it.
0: We, yeah, no, that smattering of loosely connected topics seemed like we had a whole big list of things. <laughs> winging it is not as as positive.
1: We're all of your college professors.
0: Hey, oh, take that, higher ed. Um... So this one, I think, is least connected to everything else. but So um, I think we're both big fans of Stephen Colbert, right? Agreed. Um, and he announced sort of – he he didn't really bother to announce it because everyone else announced it for
1: him. Yeah, he he was just, like, <laughs> tweeting, like, is there something happened today? Yeah. Uh, whatever. <laughs> well,
0: even on his show, he was just like, yeah, David Letterman's retiring. <laughs> <laughs> he just kind of left it at that. So for the one person who didn't hear, uh, Stephen Colbert is going to become the new host of, I guess, the Late Show. Yeah, no, not the the Late Show. Yeah, the Tonight Show on is CBS. K- yes, which is he could actually do both, right? Because although his show airs at eleven thirty, they actually tape it like six.
1: Yeah, I just wonder if he really wants to work that hard, keep his character alive, but just be himself on the Late Show. Yeah, I mean. I, I wouldn't. Like, wouldn't that be wildly
0: confusing? It can't be because he
1: needs the compensation.
0: Yeah. He even said once uh, in an interview, they said, do you – because his children are are small. I think they're under 10. And he said – they said, do you let your kids watch the Colbert Report? And he went, no. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, why not? He was like, because I think it would be really confusing for them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to see someone who looks and sounds exactly like their father, who's is it? but is someone totally different, a completely
1: <laughs> awful human being.
0: Yeah, so he was like, "No, I, they're not old enough to understand like the the subtle nuance of political satire." <laughs> which I think it, that's pretty self aware for a parent. Like, it's good that he makes that connection.
1: Well, I feel like I can remember my dad watching shows, whatever the equivalent would have been in like the in like 1992. Of like clever shows, and I was probably totally unaware of yeah. what was happening. It's like, how come they're not animated? I don't like this. <laughs> it's just like I
0: now going back and watching like really old Simpsons. Cause, I mean, Simpsons debuted in what like eighty nine or ninety. Yeah.
1: So I mean, I was six. Yeah, I remember <laughs> pausing VHS recordings to draw Lisa in part.
0: Yeah, but you probably <laughs> did not notice a lot of the like wiener jokes and. Drug references and political humor that's just embedded everywhere all the time. No, it's
1: like, I like Bart. He's rebellious. He's <laughs> got a skateboard. And a
0: slingshot like <laughs> Dennis the Menace. That's relatable to today's youth. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that's. Um, I'll be interested to see if Colbert. I don't think he's going to do both. I think it's going to be a. There might be a phase out where he finishes like this season or he finishes out his contract, but long term too much, too... And too similar, but too different. Like, it's not not two different shows where he's Stephen Colbert. It's a show where he's Stephen Colbert and another show where he's Stephen Colbert. And that just... I
1: think it would be weird. I mean, he could have it be a segment, but I kind of see him, like, making a clean break and just, like... I don't know, the dude has range. He could do a lot more stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he does Broadway. He sings and dances and... (laughs) <laughs> he, which I feel like is is now, I think actors and actresses were always doing that, but I think Hugh Jackman like made it popular. It's like, oh, you mean Wolverine can sing and dance? That's awesome. What other people can sing and
1: dance? <laughs> and I don't know if he was just like debate club in school or something, but it seems like he's good at just talking to people and yeah. kind of like on the fly bringing things up and thinking of things and just kind of throwing it at them and maybe in a less antagonistic way <laughs> than his character but
0: well he always seems genuinely knowledgeable about not only the subject he's interviewing someone about but the person. So even if he just has a sheet of 10 factoids and he memorizes them, he when he gets to the table you're like he knows this person <laughs> yeah. he know he this is like they're buddies and they're just having a chat. So, yeah, I think uh, not having to put on the crazy, (laughs) hyper-Republican, super-Catholic character will probably let his interviews be even more fluid, because he won't have to keep, like, pulling back into that weird... (laughs) Find ways to be really offensive. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, I'm sure uh, Colbert's a a listener, so congratulations, (laughs) Stephen. I, I call him Steve. We go, we go way back. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> um, so Heartbleed, do you know, are you, are you up to date on on the Heartbleed bug?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> s- servers, uh, what is it, two-thirds of servers, they yeah. estimate, yeah. have a version of OpenSSL that's vulnerable to certain kinds of exploits that will get the servers to expose memory. Which is bad, yes. Because then anything going, (laughs) anything stored in memory at that moment could be exposed, whether that's passwords or anything that's happening. Yeah. So
0: there's an XKCD. I'm I'm actually I'm not a big fan of XKCD, uh, but I have to admit that this particular comic, which I'll I'll throw up in the show notes, um, it is probably the most concise explanation of what. How heartbleed works so basically uh, the bug is called heartbleed because there is a tool called heartbeat and what heartbeat does is it allows someone to maintain an open server connection by just kind of sending a little bit of garbage information like a word so you would say like hey server hat three bytes and then the server would echo back hat three bytes and then like a little bit of like, I co- I'm i confirming that I got this. Keep the mm-hmm. connection alive. And someone realized you could go, hey, server, hat, 64 kilobytes. And then it would go back, hat. And then everything, the next, you know, 63,997 kilobytes worth, or, yeah, bytes worth of information, um, which is whatever is in memory at that moment, like SSH keys or passwords or, and you know.
1: Private things. So bad, 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 but yeah. there was like a brief moment of maybe not quite as catastrophically bad and then uh who was it set up a server and said it, go at this server? Yeah
0: uh, was it Cloudflare? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, so they so wanted to cloud- proof a concept, could you get a server's SSL key? Which yeah. would mean you could decrypt everything. Yes. And
0: and then uh I think a German hacker in, like, 30 minutes, was like, is this your key? <laughs> like, he took the, the four of, of clubs out of his hand, and then they were like, oh, yeah, that's great. That's Oh, crap.
1: It's like, well, at least we know it, it is that bad. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it... um, Because well, they, they, they kind of went back and forth for a while, and were like, no, it's not nearly as bad as people are saying.
1: I mean, it's still really bad, but... But it's not that bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then there was, like, a weird... So, at a lot of Enterprise people... That we're using uh, because OpenSSL is the default on Apache, Mm -hmm. uh, the web server, and Apache runs like the internet. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I guess all you Windows people now can wave your your ISS. That's
1: like on the short (laughs) list of like people who are just unaffected. It was like Apple squeaked by, Microsoft squeaked by, but (laughs) yeah,
0: but everyone else in the world did not. um, And so the (coughs) the one thing I heard that was kind of like. Like the sort of thing you don't want to brag about, but in this instance they had to, which was there were like four revisions of OpenSSL that had this bug. So if you were way out of date on updating your stuff, you could be like, "We weren't affected." And it's like, "Oh, yeah, what? you just what? had all
1: those other bugs." That yeah, sitting there.
0: exactly. It's like we weren't affected. Why weren't you affected? Because we haven't updated OpenSSL <laughs> in six years. So yeah, that's always disconcerting. Um, but, but yeah, they, so the long and short of it is if you go and update your password, which you should, on a system that hasn't fixed this bug yet, you haven't done yourself any favor. Yeah. So not only do you need to update all your passwords, but you need to wait until you know that it's safe to yeah. update.
1: Well, and then what's the the other kind of terrifying thing for the, the case of... Uh, Anyone, any nefarious people that got the full-on SSL key is if they had been capturing traffic for two years, could they just retroactively go and decrypt all that shit?
0: Yes, yeah. So if <laughs> and you, so even
1: if you are currently now protected because you change your password, there is just a whole bunch of shit in the past that,
0: <laughs> yeah. Which uh, the conspiracy theorists immediately jumped on. Um, oh, the NSA knew about this bug, but they didn't say anything. And I'm a big fan of conspiracy theories, like I like those kind of books and kind of movies, but in real life I tend to think they're overblown, but this to me seems like a Mm no-brainer. If if I worked for an intelligence-gathering agency and I found out that someone had left their house unlocked, I wouldn't go and tell them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I also think it's like, yeah, if they knew about it, I doubt they would have said anything. It's hard to know whether to trust when they said they didn't know about it. It's like... Yeah. I mean, I don't think... It feels like that's what they're going to say no matter what. Right. Yeah, it's a... What is it? That riddle? Like,
0: one... Two brothers, one always lies, one always tells the truth. It's like, the NSA killed the brother that always tells the truth and just always lies.
1: (laughs) But even, like, in the whatever recent statement by obama or by the administration there was some like really obnoxious caveat like we would never use an exploit and not responsibly disclose it unless we need to for yeah. national security or any, And it wasn't just national security, like, someone's going to blow up the universe and we need to stop them. It was, like, <laughs> or law enforcement reasons. Yeah. So, like, that covers just about everything the executive branch does.
0: Well, yeah, that, that's the problem is because it's, it's – we would never do this unless this one thing that is ultra-common and happens pretty much every
1: minute of every day. Unless we just wanted to look into someone. Yeah. Oh, so always? Yeah,
0: exactly. So it's like you're – your qualifying statement completely undoes your original <laughs> statement. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like I, I try not to think. You know, other oh, governments out to get us. We're all going to die. But this seems like one of those cases where it's like, yeah, no. They if they weren't taking advantage of it, you know, there were people in the office being like, Shh, why didn't we know about <laughs> this? This would have been
1: awesome. But I feel like with the Snowden stuff and now things like this that isn't that just kind of like a nice kick in the ass of the entire tech industry to get their shit together on security and encryption and end-to-end everything and end-to-end oh yeah and all the things well it's it's starting to happen little by little but and perfect forward secrecy too
0: so that do you, okay so i've heard this phrase and i get the gist of how it works
1: do you know how it works Probably not more than you do, but we'll go my understanding try, try is the result of it would be, even as example of someone had been capturing two years of traffic and then later got the server's key, they still would not be able to decrypt it. Okay. They couldn't retroactively, because they'd need your key, too.
0: So there's some kind of awesome math going on that actually... Yeah cryptologically locks it down
1: yeah that just having the
0: server side isn't enough okay so more of that (laughs) yeah um the other thing too that i heard about uh like in terms of this is way worse than we thought it was uh so two-factor auth so i'm a big fan of two-factor auth even though it's kind of a huge pain right now like we're still kind of making it convenient um if you know the algorithm that's used to generate the second authentication, so most two factor auth works like this I go to a website, I put in my password, and then it sends a text message to my phone that says 123456, and then I enter that code, and then so now I've confirmed that the phone is in my control as yeah. well as I know the password, and those are my two factors. Well, a lot of services use Google Authenticator.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: thing about Google Authenticator is it works without a data connection. So Google Authenticator is constantly generating these mm-hmm. six-digit codes based on some algorithm. So, and I think it's time based because each code is only good for thirty seconds. Like the algorithm is known; it's it's not a
1: secret. Mm-hmm. Well, that means. Well, it's what? Where are they salting it with? <laughs>
0: I think the time. Yeah. So that that's the thing is like if if I know someone's password and I know that they use Google Authenticator, I can actually reverse engineer that by checking things on the server via Heartbleed. So just knowing that they use Google Authenticator isn't enough to get around it, but the Heartbleed bug actually opened up this two-factor yeah. auth hole. That's like it's really hard to exploit. Well, isn't it
1: Kind of like it just reduced it to one factor because yeah,
0: <laughs> pretty much. If you could get that information from the server, so it's one of those things. It's like you're you're definitely looking for a, you needle just have in a, a new haystack. avenue
1: for brute force.
0: Yes, but it's a uh, it's at least it's a hole that's quickly patched. So that, you know, as soon as Heartbleed was patched, that also got patched. But two-factor, everybody thought, like, well, that's my shield. It doesn't matter if they have my password because I have two-factor enabled. And then they were like, uh, may- maybe not. Maybe like, yeah, no, most yeah. of the time. But well, At least right not. now that's
1: one of, like, the most common form of two-factor auth is the text message to the yes. phone or an app that generates the same thing.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and the text message is safe, which is always weird to me. But it's like, oh, well, if someone chiseled it into stone and rushed the stone tablet to your house, that's secure. It's like, really? This old, old, stupid way? So, yeah. But that's, yeah, so I, I don't know what else there is to say about hard plate other than, um, you need to update all your passwords on secure sites. So which we could.
1: There was that really handy Mashable article that listed oh, all I? the affected sites. So I can track it down.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, if you use LastPass, LastPass is has updated their tool to um, provide this kind of information. So you can't update your password until the site is patched. So, you need to update your passwords, make sure the site is patched first, and we'll we'll put something in the And this is not notes. a fire
1: drill. Really, really do it. Yeah,
0: th- this is, like, serious... Two y- your door's been unlocked for two years, so someone has probably walked into your house between... Taken a
1: mold of the keys. <laughs>
0: yeah, so update your password. Um, which actually brings me to... Uh, so, I'm not going to say why this topic is on my mind, um, but... I, I had to explain to someone uh, just last night about how important authentication servers are. Um, so what I mean by that is say you use, uh, like, Facebook login. So a lot of people use, like, Facebook login or um, Twitter login or Google login to log into other non-sites, like sites that are not those things. So Facebook goes down and you use Facebook to log into everything, you're now completely screwed, right? So like Spotify used to be Facebook login only. So if you use Facebook to log into Spotify and then Facebook is down, now you also can't log into Spotify. So there's like this cascading
1: yeah.
0: domino effect of now you're totally locked out of the house. Um, so uh, like authentication just cannot go down
1: <laughs> yeah. ever.
0: Like it's – that. I, that's the door into everything.
1: Yeah, well, at least if there's, I mean, with your Facebook example, some of those sites let you associate multiple of those social identities. So if yeah, you have a little bit of padding. Yeah, so like Facebook goes down, but you've already associated Twitter and Google also with the same account on that site. Yes. You would have another path, but yeah. Well, and it seems
0: like uh, some of the people who do it right. Also, um, when you socially authenticate, they still make you create a username and password. So the social authentication does some smart things in the background for you, and it connects you for you know social sharing reasons and that kind of crap. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, when you actually log in, you're still actually logging into their server, so they know who you are. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I wish I could go into detail about this, but I, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like that that's one of those things, you know, database administrators and server admins of the world, like, you can't ever let authentication go down. And is there—is there, like, cloud authentication? Like, can you do... I know, like, Microsoft has LDAP, but can you cloud LDAP? Can you, like, make that someone else's problem? Because... <laughs> I, I know that's basically what social auth is, right? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm saying I don't want to be responsible
1: for this. Google, handle all my authentication. Yeah, you're just hedging it by having alternate routes to authenticate.
0: But, I mean, could you do it with a non-social? Like, are there, is there, like, Microsoft Cloud LDAP in place of, like, because if, if you're running, like, an there enterprise... has to be. It's... Right? Right? That it, it seems like one of those things that there probably already is.
1: And isn't, I mean, would that add some delay when you change your password for that to cascade across? I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't be much. It's not, um, it's not like changing your... your yeah. Uh, I mean, probably. Your domain mapping, which takes 24 hours. That, oh, God. Um, y- yeah, there might be a little bit of a delay,
0: but I mean... Presumably, like if I like Stack Exchange um, is a good example of someone who lets you attach like as many freaking things as you want, and they're actually they they have a weird inception thing because Stack Exchange is an Open ID provider, so you can actually log into other places with Stack Exchange, Mm -hmm. and you can log into Stack Exchange with other places, so you could log in with like Google, Twitter, Facebook, GitHub. Um, OpenID, which I think actually shut down recently. Um, and Correct. then, <laughs> but then, you know, so if I go to log into Stack Exchange and like Google has gone down, um, if I've also attached like Twitter and Facebook, then those things will let me in. And I mean, if so if I change my Google password, how long could the delay possibly be? Because it's not checking their data store, it's no. checking Google. So I assume it's nearly instant or close enough that I don't care. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So I just, I don't know. Like, if I ever try and log into something and it's like, oh, well, that guy can get in because he has an active session. But I can't because their auth has gone down. Like, that is infuriating. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's like I'm standing in front of your house and I can hear the party going on inside. (laughs) But the key you gave me doesn't work. But it will eventually. (laughs) It's like...
1: But that guy who's in a parallel universe can still get into the house. Yes.
0: Yeah, so let me in, guy whose key works.
1: So I wanted to say one more thing about conspiracy theories, not about the NSA and Heartbleed, though that's what made me think of this, but sort of like there's a temptation when you don't know anything about an organization or, or something that it's hard to not believe conspiracy theories. You're just like... Well, makes sense. Of course they're doing that. But I feel like, not to say anything about work, but being in a position where you get to hear enough of what's going on toward the top of an organization, but you also get to mingle with people who have no idea what's going on in the organization, <laughs> that I can definitely see the disparity of, like, no, it's a lot simpler than that. They're trying to do this, and it looks bad, but <laughs> it's like there's an Occam's razor to it most of the time of, like, No, there's a much simpler explanation for what's going on. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's... (laughs) Any good conspiracy theory, there's like a set of criteria, but one of them is it has to be incredible but believable.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right? Like if I said the government is using Heartbleed to, I don't know, eat unbaptized babies. Like <laughs> like that's so fantastical that and it makes no sense. Yeah. Like they why would they do that? Why would anyone do that? So, I uh I also won't call anybody out, but yeah, it's like if if you think something weird is happening and the only explanation you can come up with is bizarre shenanigans, <laughs> that's probably not it. Yeah. Most people do not lead their lives by things that would hurt you personally <laughs> yeah. or that are big complicated supervillain like finger pincing plans
1: well I think it's, it's also usually the, the conspiracy theory the the ridiculous one that's not true comes about either by not understanding the power of incompetence <laughs> like that most big organizations they're just kind of like dumb giants that are just kind of stumbling around and that's usually m- most of the explanation you need for any any bad thing going on. But <laughs> it's either that or you need to analyze and realize there's a lack of motivation to do the right thing. Or it's like the incentives right. are not lined up. That's why this thing isn't happening. It's not a conspiracy to ruin your life. It's they have no reason to do the right thing. Or,
0: yeah. Yeah. Wh- you just reminded me of a, a one-liner f- by some comedian that's like, uh, "Never suspect evil where incompetence will do," or something. It's like people yeah. aren't actively trying to hurt you; they're hurting you because they're inconsiderate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like that guy didn't crash into your parked car because he hates you specifically. What's, He's just like a bad driver.
1: Never attribute to malice what can be explained by incompetence that, or something yes, like
0: that. <laughs> that exactly, yes. Malice was the word I couldn't think of. Yeah, and that's the thing, is most people are not evil. They're just selfish or stupid.
1: And they've just got a very <laughs> narrow field of view, and they're yeah. just taking care of what's right in front of them.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this is um, this is like the observer, its not observer bias, but it's like we, like you and I and everyone listening, we also do this. Yeah. We all think we'd, we're the one That's why exception. That's your,
1: your piece of trash at the beach is not a big deal.
0: Yes. yes. When so was,
1: collectively we're destroying the world.
0: Yes. Everyone else's litter is rude and they're inconsiderate and terrible, but mine was I was in a hurry and I missed the trash well, can so I did time to pick y- it up. You
1: judge other people by their actions, but you judge yourself on your intentions.
0: Yes. <laughs> we're, I love, we're just thinking of every philosophy <laughs> one-liner we can <laughs> come up with. Yep. All right. But yeah, it's it is totally true. So stop being terrible people. Or and stop judging other people for maliciously trying to hurt you. The so, more you know. So robots. Robots. Yeah. So this <laughs> That was like the worst segue we've ever had. Well it's done. But it's now my favorite. Um so we've been talking about this for a while. So um we we both work in technology and, and we're both big technology people. So I take it as like an affront to my belief about how the world should function when people say we should stop automating things, we shouldn't let software eat the world, robots are bad, we're losing all our – they're taking our germs, (laughs) right? So um, a perfect example is at at one of my prior careers, um, there was this really horrible menial task that had to be done – And it was – because I'm not a programmer, but I I dabble. And (laughs) there was – it just – it jumped off the screen at me and shook me by the collar and was like, don't do this by hand. Yeah. So I did it by hand for a while, but in the background, I was also thinking about, like, how – what ways could I make this data standardized? How can I automate this? And then one day I did. And I went to my boss. and Because, I mean, this was a task. I figured it out one time. This was taking me, like, 15 hours a week for, like, three or four months at a time. And then there'd be a lull. And then this project would yeah. come up again. So, I mean, this was over the course of a year. This was taking me hundreds of hours. And
1: I boiled so it down. thousands of dollars. In- yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, just lost productivity. And I hated it. And it was the kind of thing that was so boring that I know I was making mistakes because I was just like clicking through and
1: eyes glazing over. Just data entry with humans. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. It's standardized data that humans should not ever be touching. So I found a way to automate it with like a really high – a high enough level of accuracy that it was at least as high as me doing it by hand if not higher. Um, So I I did it and I went to my boss and I was like, hey, I – I don't I'm not going to do this by hand anymore. I just I scripted it. And she was so disconnected from that kind of thinking that I I was like you're a warlock. Yeah, I well I don't want to say I was reprimanded, but I was certainly not rewarded. And the reason I did this is cuz I was like, okay, I've automated this bit of nonsense now what cool thing can i work on instead like i'm not asking to go home and work 15 less hours a week like now i want to do something awesome
1: what can we now do on top of this that's way better
0: and and i was kind of met with like well i don't know like that was something you were supposed to be working on yeah it's done (laughs) Like, okay it's done so now what it's like and if you don't have something for me, will you give me the authority to go find something cool to work on? And it was like, well, no. <laughs> so, so it was like, like I was a factory worker that got hired, and then when they bought robots to replace me, they didn't fire me.
1: They're just like, <laughs> just stand there.
0: Yeah, it's like we're not going to teach you how to repair the robot, but stand there and watch it work. So, like, and that that was on the list of things that led to me eventually leaving that that position. But I don't, like, why are people who behave like that not rewarded? Like, if you find someone who makes the world better, even in a small way like that, like, I didn't, they didn't have to give me a raise, but they could have at least given me the autonomy, like, to go work on another project.
1: Well, I also wish, like, I feel like that was a big part of, uh, obviously when personal computing was getting going in the 70s and 80s like that was like one of the most important reasons you got into computing was yeah. you wanted to make you wanted to program things to do things for yourself yeah. and obviously the the size of the personal computing market then <laughs> is not even visible on a a chart today compared to today's. That's true. And so obviously there's lots of people today using computers that would never have been in that population in the 70s and 80s. But that that's like that ethos of like, I don't know, it's its the bicycle for your mind. The computer can Ooh. get you places <laughs> more efficiently if you're willing to invest like, and be smart about it.
0: Yeah, and I mean...
1: And I, I th- wish more people had that outlook on instead of just... Gimme YouTube. <laughs> like it was like how can Cat you videos please? What can you automate? What can you synchronize? And I don't know. People just don't have that mindset of being being willing to put in just a little bit of thought into their digital life to make things way better.
0: Right, so I'm gonna step back for a second and we'll look at it from like a thirty thousand foot view. Do you think that that kind of mentality is part of a larger lack of awareness and focus like on the task at hand because a lot of people would argue that one of the drawbacks to modern day computing is that you're always distracted there's always twitter there's always another funny youtube video there's always another comment thread on reddit there's always something to keep you from focusing on the task at hand so if you give someone a crappy job they're not thinking about how to improve it They're just thinking about what they're going to do when they're done. Yeah. And it's like, you can get to that thing when you're done if you made the job suck less. Yeah.
1: I don't want to discount the fact that modern networked computing is way more distracting. It is. It's it's not. I'm not going to deny that. (laughs) Like, yeah, there's newspapers and crossword puzzles and water coolers and lots of reasons. Like, if you're not focused on a task, you're going to get distracted. But... The internet is just an infinite fountain of neat things that are funny or interesting or out you know, even just outrage inducing that you can sit and feed off of for almost indefinitely. But Well and there's um
0: the what is it, a slinger box where like we love new things and the like the internet, uh, sites like Reddit and stumble upon and Facebook and like, the reason they make refreshing so easy is because that's an addictive habit.
1: Yeah, especially when they, whoever innovate. I think it was the developer of Tweety invented the pull your timeline down yeah. and it, it immediately starts refreshing it. Like, everyone adopted that immediately because it's like, yep. Yep, yeah, that, <laughs> people will do that. Well, so the image I just got in my mind is that People don't want to think of computing as a bicycle, a way to do things, to get more places to do more things efficiently. But it requires a little bit of effort and thought on your part. Instead, they want the future of Wally, <laughs> like
0: <laughs> the chair. Yeah. Uh, so now, it's now like I, now I gotta find
1: a picture like, of that. I just want to sit in a lazy boy, a, a futuristic lazy boy, and you know, like a king, and have crappy food brought to me. <laughs> in- Shoved down my throat. Weren- wasn't their diet like entirely
0: liquid? It was just like everything was in a big gulp style cup. <laughs> yeah. I re- ep- oh, that's why he didn't spell his name with a Y. I was going to say, how is this not the first result?
1: <laughs> and so, I mean, it's it's awesome that there we go. <laughs> that the modern tech age is about solving big problems on scale, but. I think people need to be willing to be a little bit integrators into their life, yeah,
0: i mean that that's why I brought up the idea of kind of mindfulness, which I wouldn't mind doing a whole episode about like mindful living the moment. <laughs> we've got to do everything in the n p r voice, but
1: it's sonorous <laughs> but
0: <laughs> i just, I feel like that's um that disconnect from the task at hand. Like when you see someone doing something and you're separated from the task, right? Like you have no vested interest in the outcome. So you're walking by and you see somebody doing something and you're like, why are you doing it that
1: way? Stop hitting yourself.
0: Yes. Oh God. Stop hitting yourself. The mantra of our, our training is (laughs) like, we're not trying to make your life easier. We're trying to make your life better. Yeah. There's a difference. Like the better way might be harder, but the amount that it's harder versus the amount that it's better. Makes it easier overall. Yeah, like I, I, I butchered that that phrasing so badly. Well, it's
1: like <laughs> we're, I mean, you're always on the lookout for can I automate this to save time, but saving time is not the only goal. Yes, and sometimes it's worth sacrificing to get a better result.
0: Yes, absolutely. If you can triple your quality but only double the amount of time you spend, then that's better. Like yeah. overall, you have achieved more stuff with less work and I feel like even down to the factory level because I mean when people think of like robots and automation they think of factory jobs not uh, like clerical jobs or, or information jobs which are also being eaten by software but yeah, I mean if I can build a robot that will physically pick a part up out of a bin and then weld that part onto the frame of a car, I have now made it safer because there aren't people involved. It's faster. It can run 24 hours a day. Yeah. And, like, take the person whose job that was. Like, take them off the assembly line and don't just fire them. Give them a new skill. Because somebody else had to build the robot. The robot didn't just evolve and right. wander out of the woods and say, I'll work 24 hours well, a Well, and day. it's like,
1: there, there was always this, I mean, there's still a slightly valid complaint about, it, like, well, you we still need human curators. And it's like, well, sort of. Yeah. But, like, I wonder if there's any statistics on how many editor jobs are there for music or for newspapers? Like, who's curating stories? Like, is that being completely not only socially generated now, but just computer algorithms like Spotify suggesting songs to you how much is that like do they need to hire a team of music editors to like listen and figure out what the hot trends are and be tastemakers and put music in front of people it feels like yeah, even, if, no. even if Spotify has an army of those people there's just not 500 Spotify's in the world now there's like five prominent music streaming services
0: well and I feel like that kind of thing can't Possibly scale. Yeah. Like, Spotify cannot employ a person just to look at what I listen to, even if they looked at what a hundred people listen to. Like, so if they have a million customers, they need a hundred thousand people that yeah. do that job. It, I mean, it's the absurdity. And plus, popular music, popular literature, popular movies are popular because they have broad appeal. I don't need someone who intimately knows me and who can say, oh, when, when Lyons was a small boy, he was raised in the Northeast, but then his family moved to the Southeast and like, they don't, no one needs to know that. That's not going to affect whether or not I like generic four chord song numbered
1: 35,000. Well, and I mean, that was sort of the dream of Pandora early on. They kind of front loaded a lot of that stuff. The music genome. Oh, you like slow, minor key, introspective music. (laughs) And it's like... Well, sort of, but every whiny slow song doesn't mean I'm going to like
0: it. Yeah, and actually, um, one of the reasons I stopped... So here's a vote against software eating the world. Um, One of the reasons I stopped using Pandora is because if you upvote or like or thumbs up or whatever they call it, too much stuff... It stops finding things like those things and just plays those six things like, over and
1: over. <laughs> it's like, yo dog, I heard you like Radiohead, here's some Radiohead.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, not even different bands, the same song. Because, I mean, their library is a little bit limited. But I think they've
1: been kind of shafted by because the radio company yeah, or that, the music owners are just like, nah. Yeah, so maybe it's not their
0: algorithm entirely. Maybe it's also a limited library, but there were days where after like an hour or two of listening to music, I'd be like, did I just basically listen to the same four songs on repeat for an hour? It's like, yeah, yeah, I did. I think I'm going to stop <laughs> using Pandora now. And you can't just log out. So I would have to delete in because t- you can't use Pandora unless you're logged in for more mm-hmm. than a certain amount of time. So I would then have to delete that channel and then recreate it and then do like a little bit of curating, but not too much. Cause I'd be afraid of like getting into the infinite yeah. loop algorithm yeah, so I I don't know. I this is the Star Trek thing. Um I can't I wish I could find the exact episode, but somebody like comes back from the past or they they find someone on this crappy low technology planet and it's an opportunity for Picard to do a little bit of monologuing about what makes the Star Trek universe, the Star Trek universe. And one of the things he explains is Oh, you know, they actually do this in the first Contact movie as well, if not just that's what I'm thinking of. Um, they don't have money in the Federation. Like, the whole Federation of Planets doesn't use money. And because they have the replicator, no one has any... Jingle, 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 jingle. <laughs> because they have replicators, no one, like, wants for food or clothing or anything like there are no basic necessities that are unmet medicine I and mean, everything like all of your basic needs the whole bottom of the hierarchy of needs pyramid is totally resolved
1: even wi-fi
0: especially <laughs> wi-fi um you ever see anybody plug a thing in with a cable no everything works wirelessly uh, so I just the the thing that he explains is like that freeze people up to work on what they want to work on. Like, when you're a a junior in high school and your guidance counselor says to you, you know, if you had a million dollars, what would you do with your time? And then you say, I would play video games all the time. And they say, you should make video games for a living, because that's what you would do if money was no object. And you go, (laughs) mind blow, right? Because you're 17 and you're an idiot. But really, that's not how life works. But... If yeah. all of your basic needs were being met, that is how life would work. You would be able to just spend all of your time on woodworking or underwater basket weaving or whatever stupid crap. It's
1: definitely a, a utopian, very optimistic view. Um, I I always wonder, and I mean, we have plenty of dystopian sci-fi to go around, so it's not like there's no response to it, but um, I've always sort of felt like there's a dark side to every single need being met. Like there's a a weird existential problem that certain, maybe not everyone in a population, but there's a chunk of people that it's like, it ironically makes them miserable to have everything.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, so uh, that's one of the stereotypes in TV shows and movies is the, and I mean, it's actually, unfortunately it's kind of true, but like, the super rich kid who their parents provided them with everything, so they turned to drugs and they turned to crime because they're bored. Like, yeah. they don't have to work for anything.
1: But, or there's just something that craves challenge. <laughs> yeah, but
0: that's why I feel like the Star Trek future could actually work because all of your base needs are met, like food, shelter, security. But there are
1: requirements for happiness. Like
0: yes, you need them first. That's why it's. A I think that's
1: the study that like after you have shelter and food and like access to the basics, money kind of doesn't really have anything to do with happiness after that. Yeah, like as soon as you can afford to eat and live somewhere, it's like way more other stuff that makes you happy.
0: There was a, I think Harvard study. I mean, granted, you ha- you would have to adjust this for inflation periodically, but there was an amount of money which was not absurdly high. Like, it's above the average for the American population, but it's not absurdly high. It was like $75,000 for a household. Um, and they said, once you make more than this, it doesn't really increase your level of happiness. It, didn't, it Certainly, it changes your lifestyle. Like, if you make $10 million a year, you can, like, go out on yachts and yeah. travel around the world. But those people are not happier. So, like... If you could meet all of those base needs for everyone, no question across the board, I think most people would say, especially if you were born into a world like that, because it's not privilege. There aren't haves and have nots. So you wouldn't have people who are like, Oh well my replicator makes the best steak. (laughs) You
1: know? It would just be like, Oh, I It'd be more like I'm rich enough to actually go and kill the animals still. And you're like Oh, you're uh, the worst. Yeah,
0: <laughs> pretty, there would be people who still hunted, but they could hunt on the holodeck, and then it would be fine.
1: So, but yeah, I think kill as many rhinos. Yeah, one. kill
0: all the la- make a program where there's one white rhino left, and you just kill it over and over. <laughs> but but don't you think most people would say like, well, now I don't feel like a tool getting a philosophy degree because. I'm not going to die in the gutter <laughs> starving because I have a philosophy. Sorry, anybody with a philosophy degree, your degree is useless.
1: When, I mean, does that sort of argue for what we consider, like, inalienable rights of humans should change as technology solves these problems? Like, it was kind of absurd to suggest, you know, a right to shelter and food before that was easy to provide for everyone. Like a right to it.
0: No, that's an interesting point.
1: But, like, once that's, like, trivial, why not make that a right? Yeah. Like, is the Internet now a right? Yes. Should it be? Yep. Because (laughs) to function in modern society... You kind of need it. And you definitely will, for real, soon. Yeah, I mean,
0: I'm obviously a connected person, but every once in a while... I will need to or prefer to talk to a person. Like Google problems are a great example. I have a problem with my Google accounts right now, and there's like no human to reach out to. Yeah, unless
1: you're a business customer, they don't have like a phone. Yeah, everything
0: just goes into like the feedback oblivion. And to be fair, I just reported this yesterday, like last night, so I might get a response. And to be fair,
1: you don't pay anything.
0: (laughs) I do not pay anything. That's another big part of it. But it would be nice if there was a number I could call or a dedicated help line. Because
1: mm-hmm.
0: I've tried Google Groups before, and sometimes an employee will step in and be like, hey, guys.
1: But you're also kind of like, yeah, in 2009, a guy had this problem, and there's no answer.
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it's it's a weird enough bug that I think it's local to me, and, like, I just I just want to talk to a person. I just somebody help me. <laughs>
1: so which is funny because usually I don't want to talk to a person yeah that's the that's why I want self-service ways to fix things but every once in a while you just need someone who can just go yeah we'll get you taken care of
0: yeah and I mean that's why their business models have shifted in this direction because by and large 99% of the time people don't want a human but then that one time you're like oh man this would be so great (laughs) and so you made me think of, of something interesting um with the like basic rights. So if those kinds of things became basic rights and and we didn't have money anymore, would that change also the way we treat people who pursue non-traditional interests? By which I mean, if you didn't need to provide your own shelter or food or clothing, I mean replicator is basically you're set. Like if you have a replicator, you're good. Um, you wouldn't think oddly of someone who like pursued music or art or philosophy or writing, even if they were terrible at their craft. Because they're not they're not gonna starve, they're not hurting anything, and more importantly, they're not not contributing to society. Because when I see someone who's like, "Oh, I, you know, what's a good stereotype? Like, oh, I, I studied, you know, uh, cubist art in college, and now I work at Burger King." And it's like, y- you're smarter than Burger King. Like, you yeah. could be contributing more to society, but you're not because you got a cubist art degree and no one wants to buy your crappy artwork. Right. But if if they didn't have to like pay taxes and contribute to social security and stuff, then I wouldn't
1: care. Well, I feel like automation is centuries old if not in all of human history is the the march of automating more things Mm. um the whole reason that there's even time to have art is because of taking care of baseline things in an efficient way yes because when you're just running away from hyenas you don't have a lot of time to make drawings and sing songs yeah um Unless the song
0: is to teach other people how to best escape from a
1: Right, once, once you're <laughs> calmed down and you're safe. But yeah. if you're never safe, like, if you're just constantly sick and dying and... <laughs> and hungry. Yeah, yeah, like, there's not a lot of time to think, what's the meaning of life? Yes. And so it's sort of like, the, the reason we have all the nice things is because modern leisure, like, I feel like the word leisure, I want to look into it, but the entire idea I, th- of I think being, that's a modern... Yeah, right. it's like... After the Industrial Revolution, like, we have all this time. Like, wh- when does the word vacation come into being? Like, mm. just, like, all these ideas of what do I do with all this time?
0: Well, the, I've always heard the joke that, like, if you traveled back in time 200 years and said, oh, I'm going to go out for a run, everyone would be like, what? What are you <laughs> running from? And it's like, no, no, I'm going to run for leisure. What the hell is Lee?
1: (laughs) Well, that reminds me of, like, do you ever read uh, the Orson Scott card book Enchantment? No. Okay, you should... I don't think I've gotten to that one yet. You should borrow that from us. But it's a fantasy story of a modern-day guy. I think he's in Russia. And he somehow, through some wardrobe equivalent, ends up in a fantasy land that... (laughs) But the thing that he discovers is he's just, like, a skinny, modern dude, like, healthy, fit... Mm. And, like, all of his advantages for living in modern life just mean nothing in this whole society. <laughs> he's worthless in battle, and ah. he's like, well, I can run. And they're like, oh, so you can retreat? <laughs>
0: like, so you're a coward. You're a professional coward. <laughs>
1: yeah. And so it was just a, a nice, exactly what we're talking about, of, like, we're fit for modern life, maybe not.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, that's... I could
1: not plow a field.
0: No. And I guess that's a... Uh, even when people could plow fields, they were like, you know who can plow a field better? A horse. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like, I'm going to invent a thing that I can strap to the back. Because even if your society is set up for that kind of manual labor, there are people who are physically disadvantaged. Yeah. Like, there's always going to be someone who's bigger and stronger than you. So the advantage humans have over animals is our brain minds. So it's like... <laughs> The horse is nice enough to let me strap this thing to its back in return for carrots. So, I got a bunch of carrots, but I really don't want to plow this field.
1: Well, and once you get a horse involved, which sounds like a funny thing to say about anything. Once you get a horse involved. Show title? (laughs) Yes. Um... Uh, now all those people who aren't strong enough to plow a field can work that field because the horse does the heavy lifting the person just guides it yeah but
0: and those people can if if all you're doing is the now you have time to sit down and look at the clouds and think about how that one cloud looks like a bunny (laughs) right and like that's I mean, it's silly to make it sound that simple, but really, it kind of is. Like, it's what you were saying. Like, oh, now that I don't have to spend 12 hours a day sweating face down in the dirt, you know, tending the crops, now I can think about things, other things, anything else. Well, I mean,
1: also with, like, even if it's just about art forms, like, how many people are going to be writers when you have to physically handwrite everything,
0: in calligraphy,
1: yeah, it's like only trained people. Like literacy rates were what back before the printing press? <laughs> oh, like, so like below ten. It's like religious scholars, you know, the clergy, and then a certain set of you know legal professions and other people that would know how to read and write, and Wouldn't, then the vast majority of people have no use for it.
0: Uh, I think uh, music was the same way. It was. If you were involved with the church, you learned how to sing and read music and write music for the church, but no regular person would just be like, I want to pick up guitar, right? Like, you just – you couldn't. No one had the time. Yeah. And and it was like, well, every moment I spend on this is my crops are are going, you know, dry, my – uh, livestock is not being tended to My whatever my craft is if you're like a blacksmith or a boot black or can't think of anything else that is black entitled to uh,
1: do just uh, other black things <laughs>
0: other black jobs, potter um, like that's time you're not spending on that right? and since all those things were done by hand it's not like well I'll just turn on my blacksmithing machine <laughs> and go and write a story or play guitar um, you had to If you weren't doing it, it wasn't getting done. Yeah. Um, And I I remember there's a a mission in North Florida that I visited. um, It was, like, where the the Spaniards had come over to...
1: um, Find the Fountain of Youth. Bring... Ponce de Leon. Probably.
0: But, you know, this particular mission was they had to save the heathen uh, Indian folk and there's a chapel because these are all authentic buildings that have been like preserved by this historical society and there's a chapel that has um, on the wall like a giant, like a seven foot tall painting of the palm of a hand and the way the one person in the church who knew music communicated it to the people who did the singing in the choir was with these like complicated <laughs> drow hand movements so it was like, oh, if these two knuckles are bent and these two fingers are up, that's this pitch. And then if I do this, it's make that mm-hmm. sharp or flat. And it was like really complicated. But it was like, well, these people can't even read. Yeah. So they would just stand in front of them and conduct well, with these, these crazy a, finger movements. A
1: famous like normal European sheet music is beyond most people unless you're trained in it. Yeah. But there's like for a lot of like early American settler. Hymns, there's like this. Have you ever heard of shaped notes, like sheet music? Yeah, so, I, I don't know
0: if I'd recognize it if I saw it, but i, I kind of. I mean, that
1: on top of how ref-
0: refreshment,
1: how similar. Well, I mean, I'm, I don't, I can't read it either because I've never <laughs> had a reason to learn it. But it's a way simplified form of communicating melodies to people, and that combined with how similar hymns are anyway with their progressions and. Oh, this is weird looking. I found a Wikipedia article. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, there's all sorts of, like... I mean, it's it's all tools, like... Right. Yeah, and see, I feel feel
0: like that is the march of... To circle this back around, like, that's the march of humanity. That's what we do. We don't... We're not animals that are just, like, victims of our environment. We are masters of our environment to the great detriment of our environment. (laughs) Yeah. And we need to stop that... But we we need to continue the march of progress in hand in hand with our environment.
1: Are we going to use the word sustainable now? (laughs) I wasn't going to, but
0: we need sustainable business practices. But we, I mean, we do right. Even goofy PC term aside, like we absolutely these are problems that we solved 30 years ago, but they're not the most profitable. And I mean, to tie it all back to Star Trek, the problem is that the profit is the goal. If pure technology was the goal, people would use things like solar and wind way more than they do.
1: Well, I even wonder with sheet music, like, is that basically Latin, like, to people? Like, it's Uh, like a really, really effective (laughs) tool that composers use, but is that what music is going to be looking like in a hundred years from now? Or will it just finally be like, you know what? That's like closer to the Middle Ages than modern life.
0: <laughs> yeah, that. So, I mean, you know, uh, written music way better than I do. Has there been any evolution of written music that you're aware of since what, like, what we have now? Because, as far as I know, what we have now is pretty much what we've been using for hundreds of years.
1: Yeah. Well, I it's I don't know that there's anything replacing it, but maybe it's sort of like. What was I thinking of? Um, like, tab- Oh, we were talking about Tablature? how like nothing's going to replace Adobe Creative Suite, but it's going to be death by a thousand paper cuts of a million individual apps that are way easier. Ah, like, uh, yes. Yeah. People writing electronic music, I don't feel like they're going to the composer with a calligraphy <laughs> pen very often. It's more, I don't know, like... So it's not that... It's like, the, it's it, not the... There'll be,
0: the drum stuff will be written in something else. And yeah. then the electronic keyboard will be written in something else.
1: Well, there's already different representations of, like, measures that a drum machine sequencer will let you program in. Right. And, like, it's the same basic idea, how many beats per measure and which beat gets the note, is this quarter note, eighth note, whatever. So so
0: the music hasn't changed, just the visual representation.
1: Yeah, the the interface for marking it and defining it is, it's more, it's since you're not stuck with like, let's come up with a single standard way on paper that we can ship around Europe and people understand it's like, oh, drum music can be written like this. Yeah, that's... Like, it can be customized to instrument. And-
0: yeah, that's actually a really cool idea because that seems like, I mean, I'm sure there are people already thinking about this, but that seems like the kind of thing that's ripe for improvement. Like, well, hey, think hey you know the system we've been using for a thousand years? It's probably not the ultimate way to do things, especially as our music changes. Like, there may just be a time when our music is so divorced from the kind of music that yeah, was, it's that was like, this was really great for notated.
1: describing a 16-piece orchestra that has to yeah. be in unison in this way. But now software. So, <laughs> <laughs> but now computers. Like, I mean, I can add a screenshot into the show notes of how Logic shows MIDI notes. So when you program it to play, I mean, basically, it, it's got a vertical piano strip, and it just lines up these differently length rectangles for how long the note lasts. And so it's still... It sounds way simpler. I mean, it's still showing... I mean, if you were trying to play it on piano, I don't think it would be very useful. But since you're just programming a machine to play the piano, it's way more easy to write, I think.
0: Well, so now we've started to go off into another interesting thing about human-readable language versus machine-readable language. So, um, like, bytecode... The, the literal 100011110010110 <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing like that is almost as human unreadable as you can get to yeah. um actually that's binary bytecode is like the gibberish shenanigans you see after you compile something but it it's as bad it's just random characters mm-hmm. just seemingly random um so the more technology we get are we going to optimize for machine-readable or human-readable, or are we going to optimize for human-readable and then have things turn it into machine-readable? So, like, every programming language is not interpreted the way it looks to us. So, like, um, C++ plus is a compiled language. So when you write C++, plus, it there's some shenanigans in there, like parentheses and semicolons, and, and that makes it a little bit less human-readable, but the after-compiled version is total gobbledygook. Yeah. So are we going to start doing that to more things, like music, where there's this ultra-simplified human-readable version, and then the computer turns it into this mega-efficient machine-readable version? Well, I feel like the version.
1: version of that is the innovation of MIDI in the 80s, unless the 70s had MIDI, too. Maybe it did. Ooh. It know. seems like it could be that old like <laughs> it really does craft feel. work, and yeah. whoever else was innovating in electronic music, but um like, and maybe instead of what you see is what you get, it's what you hear is what you get, <laughs> like you're playing a piano and it's transcribing it into computer form, just interpreting here's all the notes he hit, here's when he hit them, and here's how long he held them down eighty two okay, yeah.
0: December nineteen eighty
1: two. Well, we're still using it, so that's thirty two years old, and it's still immensely useful.
0: Yeah, I I feel like could you argue all electronic music is what you hear is what you get? (laughs) Like, it's because you you know with an instrument, the way you strike it matters, or the way you pluck it matters, or the way you caress it lovingly matters. But with you're pushing a button, and unless the button is set up to in things like pressure and speed it just plays back a static noise
1: yeah well there's plenty of expressiveness by now with electronic music because you have touch pads you have all sorts of faders and knobs to mix things live to apply effects in different levels like it's just as much a performance it's just not a metallic string that vibrates now right? but you're you're still manipulating and you might be manipulating more if if you're doing it that way. True,
0: cuz you're able to change something simultaneously that you couldn't have before or yeah. more things simultaneously than you could have before. But if it, there's a in one of the many many um foundation books, they go to this planet Isaac Asimov, you should read the series if you haven't read it. Um and they go to this one planet that's uh it's basically the the hawaii planet where like it's an island nation they have virtually no technology um everybody just lives on the beach and fishes Service all day industries
1: <laughs> yeah
0: right it's just a planet of hotels um but the guy the main character of that particular book it's the first time he's ever seen string instruments and he's like what the hell is that and they're like oh it's a music instrument and his thought is it cannot possibly be as pleasing as the mathematical precision of electronically generated music. And I really love electronic music, but I also like normal meat space music. Yeah. So every time I reread that book and I get to that part, I'm like, oh, man, I wonder if people are ever really going to feel that way. Like, are we ever yeah. going to think like, oh, you you make music by flowing air over your vocal cords and shaping your mouth? Like, that's so
1: awkward. I don't want to make a prediction, but one of the things I love about recording with real instruments is you get all the flaws. Like you get the character of yeah. a space and a thing, and like the the purely perfect digital form of a piano is boring.
0: What band recorded in like their bathroom because they thought it had good acoustics? Was it? They
1: might be giants tons of bands do vocals in bathrooms cuz it's just
0: no they they did an entire album in i think it was it, this feels like something they would do they recorded this whatever band it was they recorded an entire album in the bathroom of like their bass guitarist's house Because they were like, dude, your bathroom has awesome acoustics. So like, all the music videos are like shot in the bathroom
1: and everything. (laughs) Like, and it's funny, but believable. They've they've done so many strange things.
0: But I think you're right. I think there will always be people who are like, I don't want it to be perfect. I want it to be authentic. Well, and like, I mean, ironic air quotes.
1: There's probably I'm out of my depth to describe all the different kinds of electronic music that have happened already. But it seems like a lot of current electronic music is about mashing up samples of real stuff. And yeah. it's like way more interesting to have trash cans and dishes and old meat space stuff in a foreign way. Like it's chopped up, it's dragged out, it's yeah. played in an interesting way that you couldn't really do in real life, but it's still sampled from a real thing.
0: Well, and I think you can probably extend the the horse plowing the field kind of technology to this. And then a horse got involved. (laughs) Like you do. Um, But I think uh, by making the music accessible through technology, you're not necessarily looking for the end objective of, I want to write software that writes music, and then I'm going to write other software that listens to that music, so no human being has to be involved. (laughs) Like What you're really getting to is, I want to make playing and creating music accessible to people who can't like if you have someone who only has one hand and they can't play a guitar they could play a synthesizer that sounds like a guitar yeah so if they love the sound of a guitar they could still compose and play what sounds to the audience exactly like guitar music even though they have a physical disability or they maybe they just they are perfectly functioning, and but you can't get the finger on Interesting
1: reversal that happened on the Detective, Detective, Detective soundtrack. That's yeah. always a tongue twister. Um, <laughs> it it's a good one. Uh, there's one of the tracks which I can link to. Um, I forget what we called it because we <laughs> named every song on the soundtrack after funny lines from the movie. But um, there's a guitar sound, and then there's like these flute recorder sounds. And the funny thing is, the flute recorder sound is real. Like, it's an old sample from me and Benji, the guy who co-wrote the music. And it's, like, used in, like, this sort of cheesy 60s spy music. Like, it kind of bends the pitch down, and it's like, ooh, mysterious stuff is happening. Oh, the, the,
0: like, 60s Bond kind of thing?
1: Yeah. And so the guitar is, like, sort of this slightly overdriven, it's got a tremolo, so it's, like, vibrato on the guitar. Mm. And so it's, like, super 60s spy guitar. And it's like the guitar sounds real to people. They're like, "Oh, nice guitar sound." Totally fake. Totally it's, fake. I mean, maybe <laughs> in logic it's sampled from a real guitar, but it's but, a, it's. But maybe. you
0: did not sit there and play no. the guitar.
1: Flute. The recorder is real. I actually <laughs> played the recorder, you know, five years ago, and we just found this old sample and used it. <laughs> and it's the reverse when you're listening. The recorder sounds fake. Like,
0: well, it's already kind of a fake electronic-y kind of sort of sound that you get out of a recorder
1: yeah and so when you're listening you're like oh they had fake wind instruments and used a real guitar and it's the opposite
0: yeah (laughs) so there you go so it's we're already so lost in the and one last because we're we're coming up on an hour but i have to tack this last thing on um because I use the word authentic with big, giant, ironic air quotes. Okay, hipster. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Is I don't want people to still do things in meat space because electronic stuff isn't just. It's not real, man. Like I hate that distinction. I.
1: It drives it's like me insane. The, the real part is the human thought that went into the creativity, yes. not the mere fact that.
0: Yes. I mean, otherwise, exactly.
1: none of the music you listen to, unless it's live. And even some of that, yes, <laughs> doesn't count because it can, comes from ones and zeros. Because you're
0: exactly all of this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Reggie Watts is dangerously crazy, but he's like a mad genius. And he gets up on stage with like a sample board and a mixing pedal, and he sometimes using just his voice and his those two tools will make an entire song right in front of you. But if he does even though he has a huge range, but he'll like sing the bass line and then like mix it a little bit so that it sounds a little different, like hollow or deeper, or, mm-hmm. or more wooden or metallic or whatever, and then he uses the looping pedal so that he can then go on and sing the other parts. And I mean he's he's really crazy, but like his stuff is amazing and it's like he's doing all of it himself, but he's doing none of it himself. So it's like there's this, I, and I just hate the idea that someone would be like, "Oh, it's not real music because yeah. he's
1: using these electronic well, tools." Well, that sounds a lot like Andrew Bird, only he does it with violins, and well, he has a violin, yeah. He, but it, then it, he's it,
0: mixing it live and, like, and loops what live. What you described
1: is no less valid than doing it with a violin. It's just another way to. It's another tool. Like, I wonder if there were people. I mean. I know there's religious sects that are s e c t s that <laughs> that don't use instruments in their their songs of worship, and it's like because this, they're not human they decided that the Bible didn't allow for that. Whatever. Just, Do- doctrinal I, decision. I just rolled my and it's eyes like so, so hard. That's like the, the ultimate hipster of like, <laughs> you can only use your voice. Like, don't even use a man made machine to can, create music. Can you handbone? Like, can you like. I don't even know if they clap. I think they clap. <laughs> no, but...
0: Oh my god. What kind of music <laughs> doesn't allow clapping? Not like doesn't inspire or engender clapping, right. but doesn't allow it.
1: Yeah. Oh, so So. There's that.
0: <laughs> I, so this is the note I want to end on. Um, a, a former coworker and and good friend of mine just IM'd me a picture of his office window where a bird crashed into and killed itself.
1: <laughs> That's uh, sad but very funny. <laughs>
0: well, and it is sad and funny, but with no context. He didn't say, like, look at this terrible thing that just happened this morning. It's just a picture of a window... With a bird on it. It kind of looks like the bat symbol upside down.
1: <laughs> Taking a put a bird on it a little too extreme. Wait, yeah.
0: <laughs> that bird is contributing to uh, to the hipster aesthetic of his office. <laughs> Way to go, bird, I guess. Um, so yeah, so I think we we got to wrap up here because we're 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 crossing All right. our time. David
1: Lyons. Sure. Where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on the internet at
0: Lions in Beta uh, on Twitter or .com or plus David Lyons on Google Plus. Don't look for me on LinkedIn or Facebook because I hate those places. And I have a MySpace account, but you have to no, I don't really have a MySpace account. <laughs> no one has a MySpace. With
1: a sparkly account. animated background,
0: it's pink and sparkly. <laughs> Please, with <the> unicorns. <laughs> Mike, where can people find you on Tatranets
1: So I have a slight update to this, but oh, oh. no, nothing terribly exciting. <sighs> you can find me at pseudomichael dot or medwardsmusic music on Twitter, and so i've been trying to start hounding twitter's support account to let go to to kill this pseudo Michael account that hasn't tweeted in two years
0: so I feel like didn't didn't they have a policy about killing dead accounts that they, so, they obviously do not enforce.
1: Well, their current support page says they don't take individual requests, but that they're looking into a way to recycle abandoned accounts.
0: Which, I mean, th- this seems like a simple checklist. Like, they haven't tweeted um, in a certain amount of time. They uh, maybe aren't following anyone.
1: Hopefully, they probably haven't signed in.
0: Yeah, haven't even logged. Because I guess if they're logging in, they could be a lurker.
1: Yeah, they're just so.
0: Yeah, so if someone hasn't tweeted in X amount of time and hasn't logged in in X amount of time, that isn't that account dead? Like, how else do you define a dead account?
1: Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, as long as he's logging in, then Twitter might not care because they're like, he's going to see our ads. That's all we care about,
0: right? And that I mean, and that is fair. Like, you can legitimately use Twitter as an RSS feed, but I don't think that's what he's doing.
1: So, anyway. There's that, and then also, um, I started another podcast we actually launched last week, the Pseudobook podcast. It's I mean, me and my brother. Can you relaunch? Yeah, we relaunched because we we used to podcast back in like two thousand five, which was you can probably find it. it's probably somewhere on the <laughs> internet there. It's funny if you want to hear twenty one year old Mike, <laughs> but <laughs> nine years ago, damn. yeah, but anyway, we're at pseudobookpodcast. com that's p s e u d o book. Podcast. Not Pisueto. <laughs> Pisueto. Oh, and uh it's a different niche. We're not gonna be talking tech so much. There I mean occasionally maybe games will come up, but it's mostly we're gonna focus on having guests that are doing creative stuff and letting them promote their stuff but also picking their brains. Mm. Brain picking. Mm.
0: So we have some excellent show notes for this episode, so if you want to check them out, it's FlippingTablesPodcast.com slash 009 for this episode, and that means that next week is episode 10, and I think Mike had a commitment by episode 10.
1: Yeah, didn't by he? our 11th episode to have music. That's right, so...
0: Everyone will have to harangue you endlessly if next week we launch with. No, an, the
1: pressure's on it.
0: It is, and I love Anna Managuchi, but but we need we need something of our own, something yes. authentic.
1: Well, hopefully I'll come through. If I don't, maybe we'll commission someone to do something. But I'm not giving myself an out. I'm going to no. come up with something. No,
0: if if we commission someone to do something, the whole song has to be someone saying "Mike effed up" <laughs> <laughs> over and over. <laughs> That, that would be well, as long as we
1: garbled it through a vocoder I could get behind that
0: <laughs> okay no this is fine because that that would be like fun show lore so that's good we will we'll see or hear or talk to everybody next week go leave comments leave feedback um, yeah
1: we will talk about what you say if you leave us comments <laughs> so yeah
0: um, and it can be on uh, the website or on Twitter or Facebook or Google Plus or wherever but, yep but do talk at us we will talk back at you
1: All right. Have a good week, everyone.
0: Bye.